Morning Anchorage, Alaska. This is Bruce Lindquist on his maiden voyage of my podcast, Wonderful Counselor. To those in the lower 48, to those around the world, welcome. This podcast focuses specifically on really making the truths of the Bible in a way that comes alive for us relationally. And as a counselor, that's certainly something that I want to focus on. I've uh, been doing counseling now for over 30-some years, about three years away from retirement, at least from this stint of being a counselor. And over the course of years, guys, I have had the most amazing journeys with people. But my most amazing journey I've ever had in my life is with Jesus Christ. And I want to take you guys to a passage of Scripture that I think that will help you to understand Jesus maybe a little differently than you did before. I realize many of you may not be believers that come to this podcast. Many of you um, may have had really negative experiences with religious people, right? Many of you um, might be atheists or have come from other faith traditions. But I really believe that this podcast is going to be for you. So I want to take you on a journey a little bit back in time to a specific instance in Scripture. And it's like it could be taken out and put right back into context in our time. So there's this woman who is caught having sex with someone who's not her husband, and she's thrown out on the street. Now you got to remember the cultural context of the time. The man wasn't held accountable. The woman was. And the religious people used her as an example and said, Hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, our law says we should stone her to death. And I want want to take you back again, not from being, um, you know, the time of Christ, because when you think of stoned, I know many of you are going, you know, you know, where's the weed shop, right? We're not talking about getting high. We're not talking about 25% THC uh, content. We're talking about back then, when you got stoned, you got hit by rocks, and you got killed. And that practice still continues in the Middle East today, by the way, just to bring a little relevance. So if, you know, so if you're going and like, you know, hey, man, he's, t- it's t- he's, he's giving me a sign from God, and maybe I need to smoke a joint right now. No, that's not the purpose of, of that using that word, so just, just so you know. That was all free, by the way. If you haven't noticed when I do when I'm going to be doing podcasts, I ad lib a lot, so it's just kind of the way that God created me. So this isn't going to be like your normal. I'm not a preacher. I'm a counselor, right? But I, but and this message isn't you're necessarily going to hear it in church. You're going to, you really need to hear it everywhere. So this message will preach, will share, regardless if if you're in a pulpit, if you're in a football field somewhere, if you're in a bar somewhere, if you're just walking out. Um, having sex with a prostitute, this message will resonate with wherever you're at. You could be the housewife, or you could be the woman on the street. You could be the guy who got away with something, or you could be the guy who gets thrown into court, right? So as I'm looking at this story, I want to bring it out to you. I want you to, I want you to feel it. I want you to experience it. I want you to, to go there with me. Because what Jesus is going to do is going to blow your mind if you haven't heard the story. Now, if you have heard the story, then 
it's going to be a little bit of a fresh approach because I've preached this story before. So anyway, this woman gets thrown out on the street and the religious people at the time are going, hey, oh, the guy's cool, you know, yeah, you committed adultery, you know, but we're not, we're not going to address that. We're going to address the whore that's laying on the street because that's what they're calling it, right? The prostitute, the woman who committed adultery, the woman who was unfaithful to her man, laying out in the street half naked. They didn't give her an opportunity to throw on some clothes. They just grabbed her out of her home when she's in the act of having sex with this guy and threw him on, threw her on the street. You imagine that? Imagine how humiliating that would be. And then get surrounded by these religious leaders that are going, "Hey, this woman, we should stone her to death." Again, no toke stone, right? No bongs. We're, we're talking rocks, right? Really, rocks that hurt. They kill. Like their words, right? Their words, they were just as hard as those rocks, right? Their actions were just as hard as those rocks. They grabbed her and they threw her out and threw her on the street. They threw her before Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He sits down and he starts drawing in the sand. Are you kidding me? Now, I know when you picture that, right? They're expecting, yeah, yeah, join the mob, stone the woman. And Jesus sits down, and he starts drawing in the sand. So what's he drawing? What's he drawing in the sand? It doesn't say, but see, I believe what it says. And I may be wrong. When I get to heaven and talk to the Lord, he may say, Bruce, you were just totally wrong in the sand about that thing. I was just doodling. I don't know. But I think he wrote her name. When you get thrown out, when you're caught in sin, when you're being judged, when you're being shamed, when you're being thrown out in the street, whether that's by the devil or that's by society or, or whoever it is, and throwing you out on the street half naked, exposed. But God says, no, you have a name. I was watching The Chosen, and I'd given this message before I saw The Chosen, but if you guys haven't seen it, there's a scene, right? Where Mary Magdalene, she's she's not going by that name, and she's in a bar, and she's demon possessed, and her whole life has been hell. And Jesus walks out, and he calls her name, and there's a transformation. The demons just flee. You watched it. Some of you. It may not be necessarily Lucifer, or it may not necessarily be one of the. Um, all of them dominions of demons. Your demon might be how people demonized you. Your demon may be how they threw you on the street. How they treated you, how they labeled you, how they worded you, how they threw rocks at you. Yeah, maybe not by rocks, not by hard rocks, but by words. And those cause the wounds. Because see, when people are wounded, you can see the flesh. You can see the wound on their skin. But it's the wounds that go into the heart. It's the wounds that go down into the soul. It's those invisible wounds that you can't see. Those are the wounds that haunt you. Those are the wounds that kill. Are you getting the picture? So here's Jesus writing her name. And when I give this message, what I did before... I actually got down on the floor of the church and laid there. The reason I did that was making eye contact 
the woman's on the ground. If you're talking to her from above her, it feels like you're oppressing her. It feels like you're better than her. It feels like you're looking down on her. But if you're laying next to the side of her, you're giving her eye contact, you're meeting her where she is. You guys getting that? It's important for you to know that God meets you where you're at. Not where you think you should be. Not where people are telling you you have to be. But he meets you where you're at. This half-naked woman caught in the act of having sex with this guy laying on the street. Jesus makes eye contact with at her level. Don't you want that? Don't you want that from the God that created you? Not to be towering over you like from a giant cloud, but to be at your eye level and to say your name. To say your name. When's the last time you heard someone say your name with love? When's the last time you heard someone say your name that knew you, that knew all about you, and still shared your name with love and tenderness? Knew all your history, your past, your present, your future, and still in your half-naked state, in your exposed state, caught in the midst of your very own sin, and the unfairness of you being caught and the other person not being caught. Them being treated differently and you not, you being treated by a threat of death. When's the last time you heard your name with affection? Because this is what you're missing. If you think there's not a God, you've missed it. You haven't heard your name said like it was created to be said. You've heard other people say your name, but you haven't heard your name. Not at a soul level. Not at a life-changing level. Not at, I'm laying down next to you, looking at your eye level. You see, God does not force you to do anything. See, there's this whole thing, right, about people trying to pressure you from the outside to change. God doesn't do that. He gives you an invitation. He meets you at your level. In your brokenness, in your shame, wherever you're at, where you're the one that committed the adultery, the guy, the one that was caught in adultery, the woman, where you had the rocks in your hands, regardless of where you are in the story, God meets you there. And he offers his love, grace, and forgiveness. Guys, this is the great this, this story. It gets passed by. But I want you to hear it in a way you haven't heard it before. And I know you've heard the thing about Jesus saying, um, you without sin cast the first stone, you know, and the rocks fall from the oldest to the youngest. Why? Because the oldest understand what that means. We can't say we're without sin. And then the youngest are like, well, well, you know, I'm not doing this, this, and this. Oh, yeah, I did do that. Oh, I did say that. Okay. But the older people are going, oh, man, you don't have to tell us about our sins, God. We got it. We're dropping our rocks because we have no place to bring judgment on this woman takes the younger people a little longer at a time because they haven't lived as long. They haven't sinned as long as the older people, even those religious people, right? So then Jesus, as the men drop the rocks, he says to the woman, Woman, where are those? Where are those, basically, that were judging you? Are there no one here? And she says, No one. And he said, I don't condemn you either. 
Because there's this thing about witnesses in the Bible that if you have a witness or two, it makes something true and accurate. And But the witnesses were gone. It was just God and her. And they were false witnesses anyway. And Jesus is saying to her, then I don't condemn you either. Are you hearing that? And for the first time in, in this woman's life, guys, she heard God's voice speak to her. And she could receive it. It's one thing to be out there sinning and doing all of this stuff, right? And having someone point their finger at you and wag their tongue at you as it talks about in Scripture and be talking down at you and be like, well, your sin's worse than my sin. I'm going to judge you because you sin differently than I do. But it's another thing to have the Son of God stand by you and say, I don't, I don't hold this against you either. And then she could hear the words, go and sin no more. Because scripture says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. It's the kindness of our God that leads to repentance. Now, I don't know where you are in that story, but here's the good news. Jesus meets you where you're at. You may not have heard that particular story of scripture told that way. But it's important to realize, I don't want to bring these points home to you, that God knows your name. He meets you where you're at. He meets you exactly in that circumstance. And he's not condemning you. He's inviting you. He's reminding you of who you are. And when you know who you are, and you know who he is, you can hear because see, the shame, the shame, right? That, that, that blanket of shame that woman was wearing, she may have been half naked laying there, but she had a blanket of shame around her. That blanket of shame didn't blind her eyes and her heart or her mind to what, what Jesus was saying. Imagine how traumatized this woman is. See, I remember when I was, uh, um, when I was at Pete Field in the Air Force as a counselor, this woman came in and she had been raped. And I'd asked her, and she seemed kind of cold, so I said, do you, do you want to take off your jacket? And I didn't know any better at the time, but that jacket was her protection, right? But shame is not your protection. Shame holds you into this bondage of condemnation. But Jesus, you guys got to hear this. Now, Jesus isn't winking at sin. Jesus isn't saying, yeah, go sin all you want. That's not what he said to her. He said to her, go and sin no more. I wonder what happened to that woman. It doesn't say. What would happen to you if the God that loves you, the God that created you, the God that made you in his image, the God that says you're sacred, and your sin brings out my mercy, my grace, my love for you. See, there's this wonderful scripture in Romans 5, 8, where Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means beforehand. That means when he went on the cross, and he took the nails, he took the thorns, he took the humiliation, he took the spitting, he took the betrayal, he took the, the, the mocking. Come down from there, Jesus. If you're the son of God, save yourself. He can save others, but he can't save himself. He took all of that. And he said, while you are yet a sinner, 
and Christ died for you. See, there's only two things that can keep you from Christ. One is you think you're too good for God. You don't need a Savior or God. And the other is you think you're too bad. And both are lies. Both are on the same side of the coin. Both are speaking untruth. God loves you. And if you've, you've not heard the gospel like this before, you need to hear the gospel like this before. I keep hearing about people being forsaken. I keep hearing. I, I can so relate to that. I know it's like to be different. And I know how different is treated. But God doesn't treat different that way. You're, you're sacred and made in his image. And he loves you because he loves you. So I'm going to end this message fairly quick today. I mean, we're at 18 minutes. I, I just really want you guys to know and understand how much our God loves you. I want to say a prayer with you. And it's a prayer of salvation. And we're going to end with that for this particular podcast today. But I'm going to do other ones. So here's the, here, here, this, this is the gospel message. There's a God, and you're not it. Thank God we're not it, right? We suck at being God. We've sinned. We have a pandemic called sin. And God went on a cross and became the vaccine to knock it out forever. We have a blood disease, and God responded with his very own blood. He bled out his last drop of blood for you to be saved. And what do you have to do? You have to dare. That's what faith is. It's to dare. You know what a dare prayer sounds like? It's not some handwritten prayer. It's like this. God, I dare. I dare to believe that there's a God out there that created me, that I'm not just a bunch of cells. I dare to believe that that God loves me enough to take my broken life and all the things I've done wrong in my life and forgive me. I dare to believe there's justice in an unjust world. I dare to believe that you love me even though my experience in life may not be, I haven't been loved very well. I dare to believe that that act of salvation on the cross by believing in you and asking you to forgive my sins, that your blood washes me clean. I dare to believe that. I dare to believe that your scars heal my wounds. And now my wounds are scars. And guys, when we rub up against each other wound to wound, that hurts. And you see a lot of people rubbing up in our country wound to wound to each other. But God heals your wounds and makes them scars. And you know what scars do? They unite us. They show us, hey, we've all been through things. God heals us. He puts his Holy Spirit in us, his very spirit. And he doesn't let go of you until you're home in eternity with him. And he changes you from the inside out. Man wants to change you. Man wants to conform you into his own image. Whatever that is, whatever group it is, whatever ideology it is, whatever whatever's vogue now in our society it is. But God wants you to be the you he created you to be. And only he can do that in you. And he transforms you from the inside out. This is the good news. This is what America needs. You can be forgiven. You can be loved. You can be, you can be just how you were created to be. Someone can say your name. 
Someone can say your name and it touch your soul. That's the God who loves us. And if you dare to pray that, you dare invite Jesus to come into your life, he will. And he'll change it. But it's just not, you don't just need a Savior. You need a Lord. Because you suck at being God. Just like I suck at being God. We need a Lord in our life. The truth is that we are held captive by a world that couldn't give a damn about us. But we have a God we surrender to that will hold us in captivity to his love. And that's the best place we could possibly be. So I pray that you would make that decision for Christ. I pray you would give your life to Jesus and trust him to be your Lord and Savior. I pray that tonight, today, wherever you are around the world, that this is going to hit your heart in a way that no other message has. Because, guys, stop looking at people to give you the love that you were created for. Stop looking at people for being your hope. Stop raising up humans to be your gods. They're not. They suck at it. Instead, look at God, who will transform you from the inside out. And, and, and here, here's the truth, guys. You know how Christ followers are supposed to be known? It's not how big our churches are. It's not how many people attend our churches. It's not how much money we have. It's not how big the temple is. It's not how famous we become or infamous we become. You know what it is? It's the love we have for one another. That's what Jesus said. See, God, what God wants to do in your life is to take you from a place of where you are now to learning how to love supernaturally. That means loving people who don't love you, loving people who think differently than you do, and respecting them. You don't have to agree with them, but respecting them and loving them. That's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the message that we're losing, we've lost, that you, you aren't hearing. And the reason you're not hearing it is because of your wounds, of your pain, of your doubt, of all of the things that get in the way. May I say to you, there is a God that created you. Your very existence proves he exists and that he loves you. And his plans for your life are better than anything you could ever come up with because he created you. He knows you. He knitted you. He made you in his image. That's the God that loves you. So I want you to think about where you are in the story. Are you one throwing rocks? Are you the one who got away with your sin, you think? Are you the one who got thrown out in the street that was naked? Are you the one that's throwing the rocks? Jesus meets you wherever you're at. He knows your name. He knows your language. Because he created you. And everything else that you settle for in your life other than Jesus will not meet the need of your soul. The people in America and around the world are wounded at a soul level. And you're trying to heal the wound in so many different ways. And the only one who can heal that is God.
So instead of turning against each other, let's turn to God. Instead of looking at other things that have no capacity to meet those needs that you have, those deep soul needs, turn to God. He's the only thing. He's the only one who will not who will not let you down in matters of the soul, matters of the heart, the things that matter eternally. That's our God. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, Yeshua. Grateful. Grateful you created us. Grateful you made us in your image. Grateful you created each and every one of them that, that are listening and are not listening to this message. And I pray, God, I pray, I, I, I pray they realize that you know their name, that you're laying down next to them, looking into their eyes, that you're saying, forget man's judgment, forget man's definition, forget how humans have defined you, accept my definition of the beloved, of someone who's worthy of the very last drop of blood of God. Lord, I pray for them. I pray for them now for eternity, Lord, that, that they would turn from the sin that's destroying them. They would turn from judging other people. They'd turn from their own self-righteousness or their own shame or their own radicalized ideology of whatever it might be. And they turn to you because God, as each person turns to you, they get healed. And as they get healed, families get healed. And as families get healed, neighborhoods get healed. And as neighborhoods get healed, cities get healed. And as cities get healed, states get healed. And as states get healed, countries get healed. And as countries get healed, the world gets healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you and we praise you and we honor you. And we give you all the honor, glory, majesty, and praise you deserve. If you don't know this Jesus, the simplest prayer you can say is, God, I don't know if I believe in you. Reveal yourself to me. And he will. And he'll do it in such a way that you'll know it's him because he's going to speak your language. Ask him. Invite him. Surrender to him Surrender your sin and your shame and your guilt and your self-righteousness and everything that you're hanging on to and receive the gift of eternal life. That's the God who loves us. That's the God who created us. That's the God who desires to be in a relationship with you so much that he gave his very life for you. I'm, I'm, I mentioned before I'm a counselor. And as a counselor, as a counselor, I get to go on journeys with lots of people. I've journeyed with people that have been physically, emotionally, and sexually abused. I, I've journeyed with people that their trauma has defined their life for them. And then I've journeyed with people that Jesus has journeyed along with them, and I've watched their healing. I've watched people who have been abandoned, people who have been molested for years, healed at a soul level, and even to the point where they can forgive those that hurt them and turn them over to God. Because here's the thing, guys. 
Here's the thing. Vengeance is the Lord. It's not ours. And the reason why we give them to God is because God is perfect justice and perfect mercy, and we're neither. And when we cry out for justice, when we cry out for vengeance, we cry out for our own righteous cause, we need to remember there's a God in heaven who's going to make everything right. But before you call out to the world, remember, he's got to make things right in you first. And he does that through the blood of Christ. Have a blessed day. I look forward to my next podcast with you guys. Amen.